Today we're going to continue with our sermon series looking to the gospel of Mark and we're going to be covering a little bit of ground with the scripture uh, with the sermon entitled Watch Thy Step Falling in Trials Failing the Test and our scriptures today uh, which we will sweep across to a certain extent will be Mark chapter 14 verses 26 through 31 and then 53 verses 53 and 54 and then 66 through 72 uh, we'll come back to Jesus and the trial of Jesus uh, before the chief priest um, and we've already preached on Jesus in Gethsemane we may touch upon that briefly but but what we're dealing with today is primarily the failure of Simon Peter in his time in his time of trial uh, his denial of Jesus we'll also be turning towards the end of the sermon to uh, 2nd Timothy chapter 2 verses 8 through 13 and Jesus himself will invoke Zechariah chapter 13 which we included in our call to worship as he prophesies about all of his disciples falling away from him fall away. Jesus is going to prophesy that they will all fall away. The Greek uh, verb there comes from the base uh, scandalizo, which means to trip or to trip up or to stumble. So let's pray together. Lord, we come before you today and we pray that you would open our eyes and open us to the reality of our own total ability to trip ourselves up, to fall over ourselves, to fall in the midst of our pride, but Lord, also to know your grace. And so we pray that you would open our hearts to your grace, to turn to you as we hear from your word today. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus, amen. Watch thy step. I didn't come up with that title. As you may know, you may have you may have seen it a thousand times and so you've almost forgotten it. But if you are walking from our church office down the little sidewalk, uh, heading east from our church office toward the Christian Education Building, there's a little black sign in the corner before you come to the steep descent of those steps. And what does the sign there say? Anybody remember? Watch thy step. If you're a first time visitor to our church office, the, the sign usually catches your attention. And I've had people say, oh, what a cute sign, or that's interesting. <laughs> Watch thy step. And as you already understand this is the lead into our sermon today watch thy step this is what Jesus says to Simon Peter and the rest of the disciples and he's also saying to you and to me watch thy step the fall can be precipitous and damaging if you're not paying attention watch thy step speaking of heading over from the church office to the Children's and Adult Education Building over uh, to the east over here. 
Cindy Booker, Dr. Cynthia Booker, was sharing with me just this week from our Christian preschool a, a great story. What she told me about was the other day in our Christian preschool, one of the little boys at, at the preschool age, he's three and a half, four years old, he, uh, he was running around a little bit wildly and he, uh, he hit his shin on an ottoman and, and, and then was crying because it, he'd, he'd been surprised. I don't know how badly, he wasn't really badly hurt, he wasn't bruised, but he was, he was shocked and he was crying. And so Dr. Booker, who had stepped in because we have teachers who miss here and there and she's kind of having to cover for different classes as we get the preschool back up and running. She was there with the children and so she was comforting and consoling this little boy and also inviting other children who of course turned their attention to this crying little boy and, and inviting them to also support him. She, she tried to encourage this little boy and she said, why don't we pray for you? Would that be all right with you? And he, he cried and he said, yes, yes. So anyway, uh, she, Dr. Booker prepared to lead the children who were gathering around the hurt little boy uh, with prayer. But all of a sudden, another little boy who, who had been in another corner of the library, he ran over and said, let me do it. Can I do it? Let me do it. And she, uh, Dr. Booker said, absolutely. And so this little boy who clearly Parents, you need to hear this. It makes a difference, right, if we pray at home or not. This, this little boy who clearly was uh, normalized into, it kind of was being raised up as a, as a prayer warrior, said, you know, he closed his eyes, clasped his hands together, and said, Dear God, Father in heaven, please help us and help little, and he mentioned the name of the boy. He's hurt right now. He needs your help. And he kind of mumbled around for another minute. And then I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but you don't quite know where you're supposed to go next with the prayer. Have you ever been in that situation? And so this little four-year-old boy then said, after saying a few other words that sounded like what he had heard his mommy and his daddy pray, said, and please bless our food, amen. How do you close your prayers? What's the direction of your prayer life? Jesus is drawing our attention to the fact that it, we may need to be saying a few more prayers with our children than just when we gather to eat some food and say, we love you, Lord, and please bless our food. There's a more serious issue and more serious issues before us as we come before the Lord spiritually to seek his guidance and to submit ourselves to him. Last Sunday, we focused primarily on one verse. Now today we're covering a whole lot more verses, but last Sunday we focused on that one verse, Mark chapter 14, verse 26, which is that after um, hymn singing, remember they sang psalms, they sang hymns, and, and, and it was a verbal form there, a participle. It was not just after singing a hymn. It was after hymn singing, after, after praise singing. And clearly they sang a whole lot. Then Jesus led them out to the Mount of Olives. We're picking up today on, on that story as, as they're heading out. And Jesus is, is saying to his disciples, after all that great hymn singing, after all that great singing of the Egyptian Hallel Psalms that are sung with the Passover Seder, 
After all that celebration of God's faithfulness, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. That refrain over and over again that we focused on, and I said, parents, grandparents, household leaders, you need to be singing those verses. Those verses are core spiritual warfare throughout the scripture. And Christians who don't know those verses and don't know how to sing those verses are, are, are flying blindly into the world. Jesus now says, watch thy step. So as I asked last week, parents and other spiritual leaders, how are you teaching those in your care to sing? What are they singing? And are they missing out on strong scripture-based songs that as we saw last week from the scripture, from the story of Jehoshaphat and Paul and Silas in the jail, spiritual warfare, these, these are weapons of spiritual warfare to know songs of the faith and to know songs that feature the powerful affirmation of God whose steadfast love endures forever. Now, what are we supposed to pray? Maybe instead of moving towards, and please bless this food, amen, we may want to revisit how Jesus teaches us to pray. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into where? Temptation. But deliver us from evil. Watch thy step. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But it doesn't stop there, does it? We'll come back to this, right? Because although it's not in the earliest manuscripts, it clearly would have been there, and it makes sense that some of the manuscripts have it. Any good Jewish prayer ends not looking to ourselves but to God and doxology. And so we have the doxology, right? For thine, come on, you know it, right? For thine is what? Kingdom, the power, the glory. For an hour, how long? Forever and ever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his stead, fast love, even when you fail, for his steadfast love endures how long? Forever. So uh, we're going to open up now Mark chapter 14. And we'll go ahead and pick up where we left off last Sunday with this key verse that we focused on so heavily last week, and then verse 26, and then moving ahead. Hear now God's word. And when they had sung a hymn, or when they had hymn sung, sung praises, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And isn't this a cold shower wake-up call? And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. 
Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all, all the disciples, said the same. And of course, Jesus goes to Gethsemane. We're going to move on to uh, after being betrayed, after being handed over uh, by Judas, Jesus is taken before at least representatives of the Council of the Sanhedrin at the house of the high priest. In fact, the father-in-law of the high priest, uh, Caiaphas, it's actually Caiaphas's house. Picking up at verse 53 and 54. And they led Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. Verse 54. And Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Then, uh, as I said, we'll return next Sunday to uh, the trial of Jesus and Jesus's firm affirmation, confession of who he is. Uh, but uh, now on to verse 66 in the story of Peter continuing. And Peter was below in the courtyard. As he was there, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with the Nazarene, Jesus. But he, Peter, denied it saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, this, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly, surely you are one of them for you're a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. You will all fall away. As I said, scandalizo, to be tripped up, to trip yourself up, to be tempted, to stumble unto disaster. 
How does Jesus know this? Well, of course, he's the son of God. How does Jesus know this? Well, of course, he's the ultimate prophet. But, but notice here, Jesus combines his spiritual insight, the guidance, prophetic guidance of the Holy Spirit with the scripture. See, it's one thing to be able to maybe vaguely know some themes from the scripture. It's even another thing to be able to quote and parrot out uh, verses of scripture, like I could train a parrot to just spout out words of scripture. But, but it's something entirely different to actually know the scriptures unto God. And so Jesus isn't just pulling this out of his hat. Jesus says, as it is written. In other words, hundreds of years before this ever happened, I inspired it, and Zechariah wrote it. You imagine this? Something was written about the time, uh, I don't know, sometime before Columbus was born. It's written here, and here, and here it is, about to happen to you right now. Jesus withstood the ultimate trials and tests and gave the good confession of who he is, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Redeemer. We'll focus again more clearly on that next Sunday as we look at these, these passages, these primary passages that we've read today are considered a sandwich, yet another sandwich. As I've told you, Mark 14 is kind of a multi-layered series of sandwiches or multi-layered sandwich. But, but you see, Peter's failure wraps around this central truth about Jesus who is going to directly under the ultimate crucible before the high priest and the chief priest confess exactly who he is. But, but in the midst of this on the sides, you understand, we have in bold relief Peter's total failure to give any kind of serious confession of Jesus. He claims he's going to be the one who confesses him to the end, to the death, on the front end. And of course, on the other side of the story, we see his total failure. Peter's total depravity, and yours and mine too. Jesus withstood the ultimate test and trials, not so much Simon Peter. Hmm. <laughs> Um, Jesus' lead disciple. In fact, not at all. The rock fell and crashed pretty hard. Apparently, the bigger they think they are, the harder they fall. Apparently, the bigger you think you are, the harder you're going to fall when you face the crucible. How do you think you're going to hold up when you're facing death? You trust in yourself. You're going down fast. The scripture says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall, Proverbs 16, 18. Now, of course, often we convince ourselves that we know best, right? In fact, we can get really riled up about this. Don't tell me. I know myself. Nobody can tell me who I am or what I'm going to do. I know myself. I know, the, I know who I am. I've, I've been through trials, pastor. Don't give me any of that stuff. I know exactly how I'll hold up. And man, I am tough. I, I am the, the meanest, toughest, most stable woman or man on the block. 
this kind of presumption, of course, led Peter to his most tragic fall. And we do well to be aware. This, this, this really sad story about Simon Peter is not in here just for our historical reference. It's a message to us. Remember, this Gospel of Mark is focused not only on proclaiming Jesus as the Christ and our Savior, but also on how he leads us into discipleship and teaches us how to be disciples. And of course, a key reference is, is Mark got his story, his, his central confession and testimony from Simon Peter. Remember, Mark is channeling, basically, what he heard from Simon Peter all those years. So Mark is giving us Peter's particularly personal and poignant remembrances. And as we said, we noticed that Simon Peter sometimes doesn't give Simon Peter's highest points, like the fact about how he and John prepared the Last Supper. And they've had a really long day at this point by the time we get to this part of the story. Remember this? But on the other hand, it's brutally honest about Peter, but it's not just about Peter, my friend, it's about you and me. It's about how pride can easily lead any of us to the fall. Pride is a cancerous sin that can consume us and take us over really fast and end up making us blind. Do you like wearing the mask? How well do you breathe with the mask? Maybe not quite as well, right? Well, pull that mask up over your eyes and that's pride all over you. You will not see it all and you'll be stumbling around thinking that you have what you do not have. So we've got the contrast going on here. Of course, as I've said, the central contrast is between Simon Peter, who's called to be a disciple of Jesus, and who Jesus is as the trustworthy Savior. But we also have this contrast between Simon Peter and Judas Iscariot, don't we? And it's a little bit troubling how much closer Simon Peter and we are to Judas Iscariot than we are intrinsically to Jesus. We're just a lot closer to Judas than we are to Jesus of our own doing, of our own flesh. Yeah, Judas sold Jesus out, but Simon Peter was sold on himself. Are you sold on yourself? Let it go, <laughs> let it go. Um, John Calvin, it's interesting to read Calvin's commentary on this particular segment of the gospel story. And, and Calvin really focuses in on this truth about the, just the series of, of big mistakes by Simon Peter, including the fact that in addition to, you, you catch this, right? It's, it's an echo of, remember the way Jesus says, um, you're right, Simon, up at Caesarea Philippi, you're right, Simon, I am, I am the Son of God. I, I am the Messiah. And I've got to go and die for your sin. I'm going to be, you know, turned over and crucified, die. And on the third day, I'll rise again. And you remember how Simon Peter rebukes him, corrects Jesus? Oh, no, no, this can never be. And Jesus has to turn around and rebuke Simon, get behind me, Satan. Remember that exchange? So that's back in Mark chapter 8. Now we got another version of the same thing, right? Picking up at, uh, at uh, 14, 27 and following. Jesus, Jesus says, you're all going to fall away from me. And Simon Peter says, well, yeah, I know the rest of the guys. I mean, they're, they're weak. 
Jesus, we, come on, you and I, we're, we're the tough guys. You know this, right, Jesus? The rest of them will. But come on, Jesus, you're wrong about me. I, I, I will stand with you no matter what. And Jesus comes back and says, no, no, let me make this very clear, Simon. You're going to fall down worse than the rest of them. And of course, Simon Peter at this point gets into an argument with Jesus. It is an echo of what you read back in uh, Mark 8 and the, the issue at Caesarea Philippi. Simon Peter still has not learned his lesson. Have you learned your lesson yet from Jesus? Hmm? So this disrespectful, <laughs> hey, it's honest. I guess God wants us to be honest, right? At least he's not trying to hide it. But man, this is a flat out total disrespect from Simon Peter. I mean, just hours before Jesus goes to the cross for him. How outrageous is this? But, but, but what, what Calvin develops is not only do we have that, even after Jesus comes back and basically rebukes Simon Peter yet again and says, no, 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 before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Let's get this. What should Simon Peter be doing immediately? Falling down on his knees before Jesus and asking for help. What does Simon Peter do? Exactly the opposite. Now, it's true, Calvin points out, Simon is supposed to be a disciple of Jesus. So you could say, generally, Simon is supposed to follow Jesus. But the way Simon Peter should be following Jesus is saying, you're right. I confess. What do I need to do? Notice how foolhardy Simon Peter is. After being directly specifically warned about what's going to happen. What does Simon Peter stupidly do? After Jesus is arrested, he goes right into the devil's nest. Calvin says, how crazy is Simon Peter? Simon Peter goes down into the courtyard of the high priest's house. <laughs> as, as basically those who are under the influence of Satan are, 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 are trying Jesus. There's Simon Peter right below. You think you're not going to fall down in, right under the shadow of the high priest when all this is going down? So as Calvin notes, in our pride, we let ourselves, in fact, lead ourselves directly into temptation and directly into the devil's nest. Watch thy step. Um, Calvin says this, all of this from Peter is a bright mirror to you and me. The only question is, will we look in the mirror? So we deal with pride and we deal with the fall. We deal with Peter's hard fall. Um, in the exchange, in the courtyard, notice that once again, Peter keeps digging deeper, right? No, I do not know, and I don't understand what you're talking about. No, I do not know him. And then the third time, the Greek there is the, the Greek from which we get the word anathema, 
Simon Peter, I mean, how great is the grace of God, right? Simon Peter specifically in anathema language calls God to curse him. Let me be cursed under God if I know who this guy is. That's how bad, that's how low Peter's fall and Peter's pride takes him. Well, we have good news in the midst of this, though, because Jesus already knew it was going to happen. And what did Jesus say? You're all going to fall away, and Peter, you're going to be the worst of all. But you know what? Afterward, when I'm raised from the dead, I'll go ahead of you to Galilee, and you come be with me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. <laughs> hey, Jesus knows all of this is going to happen, and he's already saying, yeah, after I'm raised from the dead, no, I'm not going to condemn you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to redeem you and restore you. Simon Peter, I'll see you in Galilee. And by the way, I'll see you along the shore. I'll cook some fish for you for breakfast. And I'll ask you if you love me in three different ways. In three different times, I'll invite you to restore yourself just like you've denied me three times. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Proverbs not only says pride comes before the fall, right? But also says this, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. He who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Proverbs 29, 23. Jesus says, you read this in Luke 14, 11, for everyone who exalts himself, like Simon Peter on the front side of this story, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. And of course, from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 3, our key opening beatitude, blessed are the haughty in spirit, the self-confident. No, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. What do you think of yourself? You think you're good? You think your flesh is strong? Or do you know you need a savior? Verse 72 of Mark 14. This is the key. This is the close of the chapter. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And notice how Peter didn't get the cue on the first crow. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't catch it. He kept going. He kept digging lower. But now the rooster crows a second time. And Peter now remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times and catch the last line, right? And he broke down and wept. James chapter four, but he gives us more grace. This is why it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will do what? Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. Now, some of us may be saying, okay, that's great, Pastor, but you know what? I'm not as high profile as Simon Peter, nor do I think as much of myself as Simon apparently thought of himself. You know, I never say, Jesus, I've got your back no matter what. Jesus, I'll stick with you even when all the other disciples fade away. I'm the quiet one. I don't think much of my faith 
And so I don't put myself out. I don't have any pride in my faith. In fact, all I do is shut up all the time. And when people critique Christianity and when people ask for help and when people ask for prayer, I just stay over in the corner and don't say a thing. So you can't accuse me of being in Peter's boat with him. Well, the sin of passivity and failing to speak for Jesus and failing to seek his Holy Spirit to be bold in witness is also grave sin. Yes, Jesus says, whoever does not confess me before men, I will not confess him before the angels of my Father in heaven. You can fail the test either way, either by claiming your big stuff and then failing to confess when the chips are down or by never saying anything in the first place. See, when God puts us in situations, which he does for all of us, where we have the opportunity to show our Christian faith and to speak for the Lord and fail to do it, we're just as guilty as Simon Peter was on that night. Watch thy step, watch thy step. But ultimately, we're invited into a grace that comes from Jesus that is beyond measure. Because here's the thing, Jesus is inviting us, this is the gospel now, don't trust in yourself, turn to me and trust in me. There is a great passage which certainly warrants another sermon on another day, but I wanna take you to it. The passage from which I preached when I was in Hungary in Nirbator um, after the Iron Curtain came down and it really spoke to those folks because it, it turned out to be a scripture that they had clung to all those years. Um, the reformed folks at, in Nirbator in Hungary. And, and here it is, 2 Timothy, Chapter two, picking up at verse eight. I'm gonna pick up at verse eight. What do we need to do? We need to remember Jesus, remember who we are and repent, and then trust in his steadfast love no matter what. So, so listen to this. This is a great confession moving into a creedal statement of the early church that Paul gives us. He says this to Timothy and to us, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. That's what spoke so powerfully to the folks who had been under the Iron Curtain for so long. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. Remember Jesus and remember the elect whom we are called to evangelize and encourage and equip other members of the church. It's not just about you. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Jesus Christ, that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here it is. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. Now, follow me on this. If we have died with him, we shall also live with him, Paul says, the creed says. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. But then look at verse 13, and here's the turn of the gospel. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. 
because he cannot deny himself. And so all who are his will be saved, not in our faithfulness, but in his. And so even when we have denied him, God's grace is so powerful through Jesus Christ, he will raise us up unto eternal glory in Christ. Watch thy step, Jesus warns us, but at the same time know this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For what? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Christ calls you to know that when you turn to him, when you weep as Peter wept, when you turn to him, even after denial, he will raise you up in the glory of who he is because he is faithful to himself, to his church, to his own. He sheds his blood to redeem his church, and that means you too. So yes, watch thy step, but know how to pray to the end. And it is not, and bless this food, it is for thine is the kingdom, and we belong to you now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we come before you today, and we give thanks for your grace in our lives, Lord. Lord, help us to be real about the way we sing, as you reminded us last Sunday, and about the way we pray and are aware of ourselves, as you remind us today. And always, ultimately, Lord, looking in faith to you. Oh, give thanks, and we do give thanks to you, for you are good. Your steadfast love endures forever. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.